I hope as you sang those words that that was your prayer. As we open God's holy word to us, that these words on these pages given to us by God himself will impact our hearts. And that's going to be the theme today as we come to God's word. We continue in our study in the book of Hebrews and we're now in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 to 4 this morning and if you just glance back in your Bibles in chapter 1 if you haven't been here the writer to the Hebrews is writing to a mainly Jewish church in Rome those who've come from Judaism to faith in Christ and is encouraging them to continue their walk with Christ because they're being tempted to walk away from the faith and to return to Judaism and everything that goes with that. But he's saying to them, hold on to what's been proclaimed to you. Jesus Christ should be at the center of your lives, but you're allowing other things to become the center. Don't walk away from the faith. And that's the verses we are coming to today. Jesus is so much more. Angels are good and they're fantastic beings and they're very, very important in the Old Testament with the way that God interacted with human beings. But there is one so far greater than angels. Jesus Christ. He should be at the center of your faith. And what is the implication of that? That's what we're coming to this morning. So, Let's read together chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. So in light of everything he said up to now, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. Proverbs 21 verse 16 says this, listen to these words, I'm going to repeat it twice, and that's what repeat means. A man who wonders from the way of understanding, will rest in the assembly of the dead. I'll repeat that. A man who wonders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. You see, the theme we've got to now is Christ is so much greater and that the question that immediately comes up to these people who want to wander away from the truth is, why would you want anything or anyone else but Jesus? Why would you want anyone or anyone, anything else or anyone else but Jesus to worship and to depend on? Why would you start to depend on other things in life and not keep your eyes focused on the salvation brought to you by Jesus Christ, says the writer to the Hebrews. The term we have for that is drifting away. Why would you drift away from Jesus Christ? How does this happen? Does it happen all, all, all at once? Or on a specific day you decide, no, I'm no longer a Christian. Just like that. Does it happen like that? 
Never. No, it's a gradual eating away at the beliefs you hold to in Scripture. Please hear me. Drifting doesn't start with skipping church. Drifting doesn't start with the visible symptoms that there's a distance between God and you in your relationship with Him. Drifting starts two stages earlier. It starts when you start to disbelieve those things you hold to. Your relationship with Jesus Christ isn't what it is. Casting Crowns wrote a song, and yes, it was about relationships and how relationships come to be affected in marriage, but the same truth is applicable to our own lives before the Lord. It's called slow fade. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. You get that? When it comes to the truth. And thoughts invade, choices made, a price will be paid. When you give yourself away, people never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Beautiful song. Go and listen to those words. You see, the slow fade happens, and the clue for us is in verse 3. It happens by neglect. Neglect of what? Neglect of the great salvation given to us by Jesus Christ. There's our key for the word, a key word for today, neglect. You see, spiritual drift happens in a three-stage process. There's a drifting past the truth, which we're going to come to now. And then there's a drifting away from the truth by complacency. And then there's the visible drifting away when others notice it as well. So let's look at this. It's so important that we recognize this as believers. There's the, firstly the drifting past the truth without grasping a hold of it. And that's what that passage was about um, chapter 2 verse 1 to 3 where these believers were drifting past the truth of Jesus as their salvation. They weren't grasping that. They weren't making it their own. They believed it, yes, but they weren't allowing it to affect their lives. And the Greek sense of this term was used of a contract which is broken. Instead of keeping to the terms of the contract, you fall away to your earlier interpretation of that contract or your old way. So that was the Greek way of the Greek sense of the word drift, breaking contract. Historically, these Jews had professed faith in Jesus Christ, but then they'd walked and they'd walked away from Judaism. They submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, who had brought them to the very point of rebirth, salvation. And they'd seen His gifts at work in them, and that's what He's talking about there in those first three verses. However, now that they were under pressure, now that they were being persecuted, now that they were coming under financial strain and social, their social worlds were being affected, they were now drifting past the truth. They were not grasping a hold on it. They were wanting to break contract with God and return to their former way of thinking under Judaism. So what was the evidence of this mindset? 
They were neglecting the work of salvation through Jesus Christ. What does this drifting past the truth look like? What did it look like for them? Well, to an unbeliever and to a believer, it's slightly different. So I'm going to tell you what this looks like for an unbeliever first. What does drifting past the truth look like for you? If you're an unbeliever here today. John MacArthur made a statement. He said this. He said, hell will undoubtedly be full of people who were never actively opposed to Christ, but who simply neglected the gospel. That's profound. I'll repeat that. Hell will undoubtedly be full of people who were never actively opposed to Christ, but who simply neglected the gospel. You see, these people know the truth. They might have been sitting in church services. They've been hearing the truth, sermon in, sermon out. They know who Jesus is. They know that, and they might even believe the truth, not for what it can do for them, but that it is true. They know that this truth is true, but it's not for me. And they might be well aware of what the good news is. They, they might even be able to say what the gospel message is. They know that it's provided through Jesus Christ, but they are not willing to commit their lives to Him. That is drifting past the truth, not grasping it. That's the first phase. And all you need to do to go to hell, says Scripture, is to do nothing. All you need to do to go to hell is just to do nothing. You'll go there automatically. That's a tragedy. And so the gospel invitation comes out to you again today. If you do not know Jesus Christ, don't do nothing. Bow the knee to Him. Confess that you're a sinner before Him. Allow Him to take away your sin, to give you new life, a new beginning, new hope. The only hope you will ever have. Because without Christ, there is no hope for eternity. Hear the truth. Don't let it go by you again this Sunday. Grasp hold of it. Bow the knee to Him. But then as believers, there's a way that we go past the truth too. You see, you might listen to a sermon, you might do your daily readings, you might read in the Bible, and you're intellectually convinced of the truth, but practically complacent. What do I mean by that? You're a bit ho-hum with the truth. You hear the Word of God, but you don't make it yours. And the Word is saying to you to do today, don't drift past that. It's so dangerous for your spiritual life. You need to stop and consider, who is Christ? I've read about Him so many times. Who is He? Do I still trust Him? In my daily application. When I hear God's word and it's speaking into my soul, I recognize that. But what do I do with it? Do I grasp hold of the truth? Or do I let it drift by me? You see, drifting away from the Lord starts in that not grasping the truth. That's where it starts. That's where the cancer is born. When truth has been revealed to you, then act on it. The old hymn says, trust and obey. 
Trust and obey. Otherwise, you'll be tempted to break contract with the Lord too, and you'll start to live life your way. It starts with not grasping the truth. And the consequences are real. What were they for the, the writer to the Hebrews spells out in verses 2 to 3. He says, If a holy and a just God in the Old Testament gave real punishment to people who turned away from His words and who didn't listen to the directives under the Old Covenant, the one given by angels with Moses, and there he's referring to Deuteronomy 33 verse 2, where when Moses came down the mountain, that specific verse says, he came from among the angels, from the word God had given him, and he brought it to the earth, to the Israelites at the base of Mount Sinai. He came from among the angels. But God gave them his words. He gave them his commandments. And if you want to see some of the results of these things, go and look at Leviticus 20. I'm not going to read that passage. It's all about sexual perversions. And what happens to people who are sexually pervert? Most of them were stoned to death. There was a consequence to not listening to the commands given, given by God. Today, those very same sins are what society is pushing up front to say, take hold of these things. This is the new normal. God says, I'm the unchanging God. Why would I change? In the Old Testament, I stoned people. You will bear the consequence for sin. And so what he's saying here to, these, to these, um, the Hebrew listeners is, how much more if you were punished in the Old Testament when the one who revealed the truth to you is the Son of God under the New Covenant, if you don't listen to Him, how much more will that punishment be? And not just that, it was testified to you by those who heard the words of Jesus, the apostles. You've got the words of the apostles too. There's a second testimony. And then there's a third testimony in the Jewish mindset. You've got the testimony of the Holy Spirit in your own lives through signs, wonders, miracles, and spiritual gifts. And still you won't listen. How great will that punishment be? Is there an escape, he says, rhetorically? No, there is no escape from this. You see, God's message is too important to be ignored. It doesn't come from men. We need to wake up our consciences. Every time we open God's Word, every time we hear God's Word proclaimed, wake up your conscience. Don't drift past the truth. Neglecting God's message is very serious. Don't play ho-hum with God's Word. It's like sitting in the middle of a lecture in the military on diffusing booby-trapped booby minds. I was in the military. We had lectures. I didn't have lectures specifically on how to undo booby-trapped minds, but we had other serious lectures too. Imagine in the middle of this very serious lecture, which could save your life, you sit there texting and ordering pizza. You see, sometimes we like that with God's Word. God's Word comes past us. We are not serious with it. We are ho-hum. It's the attitude of the heart. We don't grasp it. Take God at His Word. Don't drift past the truth. Not grab hold of it. Grab hold of it. Because if you don't, it results in the next phase. A drifting away from the truth by complacency. You see, spiritual drifting is the result of neglecting the priorities 
set by our calling into the kingdom of God. Just as a boat slowly starts drifting away, if you didn't tie it up properly, the tie, that knot comes loose, and the current starts taking that boat, and it slowly starts to drift away, you hardly notice it. I had the experience once when I was a 10-year-old. I could swim, but we had an airbed, and we took it to the beach. Yeah, you know the rest. I was having a whale of a time until I looked up and saw where I was. Very far away, lots of people waving at me. And they had to get a guy to come and rescue me. I didn't notice. That's what happens to us. We drift away from the truth. We've let go of God's word. We're not holding it. And then slowly we start to drift. We hardly notice. But we start to neglect those priorities in our lives, which we should be holding up, but we're not. And ne neglect becomes a factor when one is not consciously living a, a purposely directed life. The epistles' recipients were neglectfully drifting through their lives. You know, well-known people of God have drifted, and it didn't start overnight. I heard with shock this last week and a half ago, Rabbi Zacharias, I don't know if you saw, I don't want to make a big thing of it because I'm sad. A great man of God who stood before thousands, if not millions of people, defending the truth of God, fell to sexual perversion. And it only came out after his death. Sad. You know, there's a song we sing by a guy called, uh, written by a guy called Marty Sampson. Anastasis is a song. I cast my mind to Calvary. Listen to the words. Where Jesus bled and died for me, I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. Mighty Samson wrote those words. August 2019. This is what Marty Samson said. Same guy. I'm genuinely losing my faith. And it doesn't bother me. Like, what bothers me now is nothing. That's so millennial. I am so happy now. So at peace with the world. There's the clue. It's crazy. Marty Sampson wrote these words. He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night. And I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. We need to pray for Marty Sampson. I believe he was a believer. How do you write those words without knowing Jesus Christ? But he's drifted. By grace of God, go I. We need to pray for him. So what are the warning signs of drifting? I'm going to go through seven drifting signs quickly with you. Please look into your own life. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to show you if you are drifting. Because in a way, all of us are either drifting or on the edge of drifting. That's the reality of the Christian walk. So here they are. Number one, God's word is of no longer of prime importance to you. Sadly, I see less and less people taking notes. Why do we take notes? Not so that you look spiritual, but to help your mind to concentrate on what's happening, 
right? Now, not all of us work in the same way, I'll get there. But if you've got a drifting mind, if you're half asleep, you're not going to grasp the Word of God. You're in the middle of the minefields, people. Listen to God's Word. Make it of prime importance to you. And if you need to take notes, then take notes to help you. Secondly, another sign of drifting is being too busy for God. Ephesians 5.16 says, Redeem the time because the days are evil. Redeem the time. Buy it loose. One of Satan's greatest weapons today seems to be his ability to make good people busier than ever before. And we often sacrifice the best things in life for the second best. And if you desire to walk in close fellowship with God, you will need to take a close look at your schedule, a biblical look at your schedule. Be serious about it, because perhaps your overly hectic schedule is affecting your relationship with God. Christ said to us, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Does your schedule reflect that? If not, make changes. You will drift. Prioritize your time in placing God first and foremost in your daily schedule. It's easy to get caught up in matters of secondary importance. But at that time, they seem of utter importance. And we justify our priorities by saying, I know I'm busy, but one day I'll get to these eternally important matters, but right now I'm, I'm just too busy. Procrastination. Letting go. Thirdly, misplaced priorities. 1 John 2 verse 15. This one we really need to listen to in this age. There are so many things which distract us. 1 John 2 verse 15 says this. Listen to these words. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Man, that's black and white. That's not gray. You see, I can't tell you how many times I've seen good people living obedient lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, living a fulfilled church life with other believers, start to fall away because of his misplaced priorities with people, things, and activities. The call from God's Word this morning is from Hebrews, is prioritize your relationship with God. How do we do that? I'll tell you from practical experience. Make it clear to unbelieving family members or those who have drifted away from the Lord that your priority is to worship the Lord with His people first on a Sunday. I'm going to cut straight to it. Too many times we make excuses with our family members because they know we go to church, but they set their schedules to, and they want us to be part of those things. What do we say when we join them in their activities and not and we are not with God's people. It says Jesus Christ isn't first in my priority. You are. I'm speaking as a pastor now, and I'm speaking to you as a pastor who's going through these same things. Prioritize Jesus Christ first in your family agenda. Christ first. Otherwise, what example are we setting? Fourthly, 
Another sign of drifting is discouragement. You see, when the trials of life start coming up against us, we start becoming discouraged. And, and so we stop focusing on what we should and we start focusing on the problems around us. We take our eyes off Jesus Christ. Man, isn't that what happened to my friend Peter? Not this Peter, another one. Peter in the Bible. Walking on the water, you try. Through faith, staying on top. And then he started noticing what was happening around him. And he sank. Discouragement. It's important for you and I to know that when life's storms grow dark and our trials become intense, and who knows what lies ahead for you and I, that that is the time to run to Jesus Christ, not away from Him. So often you hear people saying, I was going through some hard stuff, and so I walked away from the faith. Run to Jesus Christ. Don't run away from Him. You'll get more discouraged. Fifthly, and this is an important one, parasitic sin. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. We've done this in sermons before. Cast off those things. And the sin which so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, many people begin to drift away from God because of the sins they have that are unconfessed in their lives. And they, they kind of want to hang on to some of those. Or, or maybe some of those are really hard. They can't get rid of them. And every time they come to church, they feel guilty. They feel like a hypocrite. Because I've got the sin in me, and here I'm sitting surrounded by people, and they look like they've got it all together. And every time you read God's Word, and the joy doesn't seem to be there. The spiritual life doesn't seem to be there. Why? Because there's a sin that's in you. You can't get rid of it. It's a parasite. As a farmer, small scale, I knew what to do with parasites in the cattle. You drench them. Because if you don't drench them, that tapeworm or whatever it is will suck the life out of them. And you will see it on a cattle beast. It gets all thin. And the eyes get all hollow. You know what I mean, around the eyes. Parasites. You know, we start to look like that in our spiritual lives if we don't deal with sin. Sin will suck you dry. Sin will suck the joy right out of your spiritual life. You will not grow any further because of sin. Deal with it. How do we deal with it? 1 John 1 says this, If we confess our sins, He, that is Jesus Christ, is faithful and just, and He'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Just come and confess your sin to Him. You don't have to get rid of your sin. Jesus Christ will kill it in you. But come, don't live with that tapeworm in your life. Sixthly, doubt and confusion is another sign that you're drifting. We start to doubt our walk. We start to become confused by what we believe. There are signs that you've given up. You've, you haven't grasped the truth for yourself. You see, it's the enemy's tactic right from the beginning when he tempted Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Now, it's a bit unfair on Adam and Eve. They didn't have that much to lean on. God had spoken to them directly, but they didn't have a Bible. Same tactic by Satan. 
We live in a world where the claims of Jesus Christ and the Christian faith are going to be and are under more and more attack. And if you are not, if you're a believer who is weak in your faith, you don't know what you believe because you haven't held on to and grasped the truth, you will easily be led away and astray. You will drift. You might know people like that. They made confessions of faith, but they've never been in the Word much. They don't know their Bibles. They drift right away. Jesus said this. Listen to the warning from Jesus himself. Matthew 20:14. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow I'll repeat that. The love of most will grow cold. And he who stands firm to the end will be saved. We live in those times. There's the love of lots that is getting cold. However, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He's going to save the remnant of the faith. Paul says to us, God, what has been entrusted to your care, turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith. Now there's the warning of Jesus himself and the Apostle Paul. Are we listening, people? The lastly, sure sign is slow paralysis. You see, what should concern us more than anything else is that this drifting away from God numbs our sense of danger. Frog in the frying pan. The more you have sin in your life, the longer you have sin in your life, the more you drift, the less you know it. And after a while, everyone can see it. But you can't. That's why the Bible says, when you see your brother in sin, grab him out of the fire. He doesn't even know he's burning. Sin numbs us to sin. It's slow paralysis. And somehow there's always this little false hope in our minds that with a little bit of energy and effort on our part, I can at any time turn the whole situation around. I know it's not right now, but I'll turn it around. I will. But we underestimate the paralyzing effect of drifting away from Jesus Christ. Our habits fix us so immovably to this drift of our circumstances that we, after a while we can't free ourselves. Tell me, how have you been doing on your spiritual journey this last month? Even this last week. What do we do about this? Three, three drenches. Are you ready? Here it is. Here's the urgent one. Return now. Return today. We've heard God's word coming past us. Are we going to grab hold of it? This is his word for us. We've been studying Hebrews. We've been studying Revelation. We've been studying Deuteronomy. But today, on this date, we are at Hebrews 2, verse 1 to 4. God's word is coming past you. Will you grab hold of it? Return to Jesus Christ today. Believer and unbeliever, come to him. 
call out to God before you're so far away from the shore that you lose all sense of spiritual direction. There's a warning in Isaiah 55 verse 6 to 7. It says this, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he that is the Lord will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The father waits for you. He's not going to thrash you with a whip. The father waits for you. He's watching the horizon. And when he sees you coming to him, he will run to you enfold you in his arms and forgive you. He's a loving God, but he's a just God. Come to him. Secondly, set an anchor watch on your life. In the Navy, if, if you've had anything to do with ships at all, and I've just been crew on another one's boat, but when, you, when, you're, at, when you're in port at anchor, they always set an anchor watch because sometimes when an anchor goes down, it might be in, on a sandy bottom, and slowly, slowly, that ship will drift. And so they've got to set an anchor watch, and they use different points, and they check against those points to see that no drift has happened. Today, it's electronically done. It sends you a text saying your boat's drifting. But an anchor watch. How do we set an anchor watch in our Christian lives? You see, we need to establish a daily spiritual anchor watch, because how do we sin? Is it only once a week? No, I, I don't know about your life, my life. I struggle with it every single day. I need a daily anchor watch so that I don't drift away from the truth. What is the anchor watch? Here it is. Feed on the Word of God daily. Feed on it. Grasp it. Take God at His Word. Let it come into your heart. Ask the Spirit to make it real in your walk. Obey God's Word. Depend on His love in your life. You can't do it on your own. And ask a godly friend to keep a watch on your life for you and to be straight with you if they see anything. There's an anchor watch, as practically as I could. Proverbs says this to us. Keep a watch on your souls. This is how it says it. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. There's the anchor watch. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. We're going to sing a hymn at the end of a service, which is in a few minutes. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? There's a story there. Our dear friend who is preparing to meet with the Lord personally, face to face. She called me last week. said, Calvin, there's this, there's this hymn. We need to sing this hymn. And she could only give a few words. And when she gave those words, I said, I know. It's this song. So I printed it out big, and I took it to her, and there in her room, we sang it. She was singing as much as she could with me. Some staff walked past, and they were just looking. Will your anchor hold? She said, 
That means so much to me now when I'm going. My anchor is in Jesus Christ. And I know that anchor will hold me, even though my eyes will close in death. He'll be there for me. What a testimony from this lady. So we're going to sing it today. I know it's old, we're going to sing it. But before we do, here's a, here's a warning to you and I. Last point. You too can drift. Rabbi Zacharias didn't think he could drift. My songwriter friend didn't think he could drift. I don't think I can drift. By the grace of God, go I. If any of you are thinking, not me, I would never drift away from the Lord. I love Him too much. Two things. Remember the Apostle Peter. The one who loved the Lord so much, he jumped out of a boat and walked on the water. He denied his Lord. It led to heartbreak. It led to repentance. But it was painful. And think of the Apostle Paul with these words. Paul said this, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And if that came from super saint, Paul, how much more to you and me? You see, Christian drifts stuck that doesn't start suddenly. You start drifting away. And it all begins with neglect of little things. Heed these words of Jesus Christ. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. My friend, if you are not a flesh person, then you're not amongst us any longer. Check. You're gone. All of us struggle with this. So check your life. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Lord says to his church today. Let's pray. Lord, we come to those portions in your word where there's a massive stop sign. And the sign says, check your life against God's word. Make sure you are still one with your Savior in your relationship. Daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Trusting His Word. Taking God at His Word. Not just drifting by and playing ho-hum with our faith and with God's Word. Thank you, Lord, for those portions in your Scripture which are reality checks on our lives. Help us, each of us here, to take stock as your spirit points to our lives and shows us where we are at with you. Lord, keep us from drifting. Help us to hold on to your word so that we don't drift away. Help us to live lives which are victorious in Jesus Christ because you help us. And Lord, I pray for any unbelievers here that still do not know you, that once again have heard the appeal to come to Jesus Christ and be saved, Lord, may they grasp that truth. May they grasp the only chance at salvation they have, the only chance they have at real everlasting hope. May they come to you today and be saved, I pray. Do your work among us now. We ask this for your glory and in your strength. Amen.